Mark chapter 8, verse 1. Um, I listened to the radio a while back, and they were talking about the different foods that are the most addictive foods. And there are like three of them that were the most addictive foods. Two of them are Cheetos and Oreos. And um, I happen to have to confess to you today that I love both Cheetos and Oreos. And occasionally, I have a huge craving for an Oreo. And when I've got a craving for an Oreo, it's pretty deep. And I have to go and I get that Oreo and I'll eat two or three of those Oreos and it will satisfy that craving. But there are some cravings of the heart that cannot be satisfied with food or the things of this world. can only be satisfied by Jesus Christ. And uh, we need Jesus Christ in our lives because there's a spiritual hunger, a spiritual craving inside the heart of every human being for a relationship with Jesus Christ. And even once that relationship has begun, there is a continual craving. I love what the, the psalmist said. He said, Lord, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. And so this scripture that we're going to look at today speaks of Jesus as the bread of life. You see, the, the bread that Jesus is going to pass out in this scripture is actually the bread that satisfies a human hunger, but it represents something different. It represents that Jesus is the bread of life that satisfies our soul. And uh, this, this actually was a feeding of a 5,000 earlier in this gospel. This is the feeding of the 4,000. And they're in a wilderness place and uh, mainly Gentiles have gathered together to hear from Jesus. And Jesus has been teaching them for days. They didn't come with any food. Now, some people will remind me, you know, if I go over too much, they'll say, Pastor, we've got to beat the Methodists to dinner. And, you know, they'll remind me of that. But they had been with Jesus for three days. Now, I recognize I'm not Jesus. But they've been with Jesus for three days with no food. That's some hunger right there. They had a spiritual hunger in their hearts. Jesus said to the disciples, he said, I don't want to send them away. This is kind of a, a, a dangerous place for people to try to walk a long distance. Uh, they'll fall out if we send them back this way. Provide some food for them. The disciples, again, still hadn't got it yet. Okay, Again, they say, where are we going to find food for these, these people? And so Jesus says, well, we'll find how much you've got. So they had seven loaves, seven small loaves, and a few fish. And they brought them to Jesus. And, of course, the rest, you know the rest of the story. Jesus breaks them, uh, thanking God, and then passes them out. And all 4,000 people are fed. And there's seven baskets left over. Spiritual number of perfection. So... This, this physical feeding is a representation of the spiritual feeding that God wants to give every human heart. Uh, we need to find our satisfaction in Jesus Christ. And that's the title of my message, Finding Satisfaction 
in the wilderness. Be in a wilderness time of your life. Jesus can satisfy the soul even in the wilderness. Look with me at verse 1 of Mark chapter 8. It says, In those days there was again a large crowd, and they had nothing to eat. He called the disciples and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they've already stayed with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way, and some of them have come a long distance. His disciples answered him, Where can anyone get enough bread here in this desolate place to feed these people? How many loaves do you have? He asked them. Seven, they said. He commanded the crowd to sit on the ground, and taking the seven loaves, he gave thanks, broke them, and gave to his disciples to set before the people. So they served them to the crowd, and they also had a few small fish. And after he had blessed them, he said these were to be served as well. They ate and were satisfied. Then they collected seven large baskets of leftover pieces. About 4,000 were there. He dismissed them and immediately got into a boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmanutha. They ate and were satisfied. That word satisfied appears several times in this short scripture to emphasize the fact that satisfaction of the soul is what Jesus is talking about. So finding satisfaction in the wilderness, how do we do that? First, you need to come to Jesus with your need. They've been with Jesus for three days and, and they just came the way they were. They came to Jesus with their need. I'm so glad that you don't have to get your life together to come to Jesus. Jesus is the one who will put it together for you. And so you just come with your need. They came with their spiritual hunger. Listen, people sometimes think, well, my life is broken. I've got to get things together before I come to Jesus. No, come with your brokenness. Well, you don't understand. I'm struggling with sin. I can't come to Jesus. Come with your sin. Come with your need. Jesus can meet your need if you'll come to him with your need. They just came to him the way they were. There have been so many times in my life where I have come with maybe a burden, maybe an emotional struggle, maybe a sin, uh, and I, I've come and, and perhaps I've even hesitated to come into God's presence, but I come anyway and I find that Jesus can supply what I need. Jesus can supply your physical needs. We see that here in the scripture. Uh the birds of the, of the sky, he said, uh, are fed by God. The flowers of the field are clothed by God. Aren't you more important than these, Jesus asked them elsewhere. Um, Jesus can supply your physical need. You can come to him with your physical need. By the way, you don't have to, to be a certain member of society. Some people think, well, you know, uh, Jesus is for this type of person. And, you know, they've got this middle picture. It's, you've got to have this much money or you've got to have this kind of job or live on this side of town. No, Jesus comes for all of them. Matter of fact, the opposite often is true that Jesus went to the poor. He went to the needy. He went to the beggars. But, of course, he also won those who were rich as well to Christ, uh, to himself. And so come to Jesus with your need. You don't have to have everything together. 
Um, sometimes we think we've got it together and we don't have it together, right? Nicodemus, he was a religious leader, and he came to Jesus. Jesus said, you must be born again. Nicodemus, you've got a spiritual need you don't even recognize. And unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. But elsewhere, when you see people coming with their needs, sometimes it's a need for healing. Sometimes it's a need uh, for forgiveness. But whenever somebody comes to Jesus, Jesus is able to meet the need. You say, are you saying that Jesus will heal me every time I come to him? No, I'm not saying that. He may know you've got a need deeper than your need for physical healing. And sometimes God does something through uh, a trial that he allows in our lives. But here's the thing. When you come to Jesus, whether God removes the trial or whether he sustains you through the trial, he will satisfy you with himself. I love the picture Abraham and Lot. If you read the book of Genesis, you find the story. Uh, and, and they are relatives. Abraham is Lot's uncle. And Abraham has brought him with him to the land of Canaan. But they go down to Egypt and they get all these possessions. And they come back to the land of Canaan. And um, they can't live together. They've got so many possessions. They, the land can't sustain them. So, so Abraham says to Lot, if you go this direction, I'll go this direction. If you go that direction, I'll go this direction. And, uh, and Lot chose the plain of Sodom, which is the, the, most, the be- most beautiful, rich, lush land that there was. And after Lot left, God told Abraham, he said, Abraham, I am your exceeding great reward. See, sometimes we think, well, if I could just get this job, or if I could just have this much money, or if I, I could just accomplish this one thing, or have this one friendship, or uh, marry this one person, everything would be okay. No, satisfaction doesn't come from the things of this world. It comes from a relationship with God. And when you draw near to God with your need, and He satisfies you, whether your circumstance changes or not, you can find refreshment and grace and peace, the peace that passes understanding. So come to God with your need. Finding satisfaction in the wilderness, it doesn't matter where you are, you can always come to God with your need. Secondly, rely on your source. Rely on your source. I love what the disciples answered him. Where can anyone get bread enough here in this desolate place to feed these people? Have you ever wondered, Lord, how could you possibly meet this need? God, how could you possibly change me after so many years of of failure and this pattern in my life? God, how could you possibly answer this prayer? And and you, you, you just don't see any way. But one way to find satisfaction in the wilderness is to recognize That God is your provider. Isn't it interesting that God is never taken by surprise in our lives? I was listening to that song we were singing a few moments ago. The lamb slain from the foundation of the world. You say, well, I thought Jesus was slain in about AD 33. Yes, he was. But he was also slain from the foundation of the world. You see, God had an eternal plan. And that eternal plan was to bring Jesus to meet the deepest needs of human hearts. And he was ready to supply that need 
for each and every person who would live, who would trust him. Jesus is not surprised by our needs, but he's also able to meet those needs as our source, whatever those needs may be. Spiritual needs, emotional needs. Have you ever been at the end of yourself emotionally? A few times I feel like I've been there. And I thought, Lord, I just don't know if I have the emotional resources to continue on. God, if you don't help me and do something within me, it's not going to happen. And God has been faithful to meet those needs. We can rely on him as our source. You remember the Israelites in the wilderness? They cried out to God for bread. He sent them manna. Jesus said, I'm the bread that comes down out of heaven. I am what God is supplying you. But there's also water. They needed water. And Moses strikes the rock and the water comes out of the rock. It's again a picture that Jesus is our source. Rely upon him in the wilderness. Sometimes we think we know what we need. We, you know, Needs and wants get defined differently by different people, right? But God knows what we need, and he will always supply what we need as we call upon him. We can rely upon him in the wilderness. You know, in a wilderness time of life, a lot of times things aren't going the way you want them to go. Things are going the opposite way. A lot of times you don't, you don't have the resources that you need. You don't uh, have a plan, perhaps, because things have taken you off guard and your life has just kind of gone a different direction than you expected. But God, no matter what may come, is an anchor and is a rock that we can rely upon. So put all your trust in him and recognize that day by day you can rely on Jesus to be your source. Elijah received the bread from the ravens and the water from the brook. And then, of course, the widow was provided the oil, the oil that they needed to make their food and to sell. God is able to provide for your needs. Um, George Mueller was a great man of God that served years ago in another century. Uh, but uh, he had started all these orphanages. God just laid it on his heart to start orphanages. And his, he had a faith ministry. Everything that came for these orphanages came not out of their budget or a regular offering, but came just as anybody moved by God would give. And so he started one orphanage, then two orphanages, then all of these different orphanages. And he said many times he'd have no food for the orphans for lunch. And he and the orphans would get together and they'd pray and say, Lord, would you send us food for lunch today? And while they were praying, God would send them food. Somebody would show up with food, and they'd have the food that they needed. You see, we, we serve a God that's able to provide for us. Um, sometimes I've needed encouragement. I've prayed for encouragement. Lord, sometimes I've not known what I need. You ever been there? Lord, I know I need something, but I'm not sure what I need. Uh, and I just say, Lord, I supply what I need. I'm not really sure what, what to ask for. And God will supply encouragement or he'll, he'll supply what I need. Rely upon your source. They said, where can we, anyone get enough bread here in this desolate place to feed these people? There is no bread. But they brought just a few loaves to Jesus and they had everything they needed. Rely 
on your source. So come with your need, finding satisfaction in the wilderness, come with your need, rely on your source. Thirdly, thank your God. Thank your God. Verse 6, he commanded the crowd to sit down on the ground, and taking the seven loaves, he gave thanks, broke and gave disciples. He gave thanks. Why is that important? Well, Jesus is setting an example here because even in the wilderness, you need to give thanks to God. Sometimes when we go through a wilderness period of our life, we focus on the negative, don't we? Well, you know, we maybe we begin to grumble and complain and get a bad attitude about the situation and uh, what they call having a bad hair day, right? And uh, you begin to, to complain. But complaining never worked out well for the Israelites, did it? Uh, complaining goes the opposite direction of faith. Thanksgiving directs our eyes to God. And you need your eyes directed to God in the wilderness. So Thanksgiving will help remind you of those times that God has come through in the past. As you thank it. Lord, thank you for answering this prayer. And God, thank you for, for doing this. God, thank you for saving my soul when I wasn't seeking after you. All these different things. And you begin to thank God. And your eyes go from your circumstances to your God. And here's what Isaiah 26.3 says. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you, for he trusts in you. Perfect peace. When your eyes shift from your circumstances to God, peace comes. And so, you need to do that. But you also need to do Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving is one of the ways God ushers us into his presence. Uh, Psalm 100 says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Now, this was a physical thing that they would do, but they would actually sing songs of ascents as they would go into the gates of the city of Jerusalem and into the courts of the temple. They were worshiping God, and it was a picture. It was a picture. God gave a visual picture of how we draw near to God as his people. Now, you've got to be saved. You've got to have a relationship with Jesus for this to work for you. But if you're a child of God and you thank and praise God, there's something about it that just ushers us into the presence of God. And can I tell you, when you're in the wilderness, you need God's presence to encourage you. And so, have a thankful attitude. Be stubborn about it. Sometimes I believe the enemy will come against us, and one of the, the goals of his coming against us is to get our attitude in the wrong place. But be stubborn. Choose to thank God regardless of what's going on in your life. Um, I learned this in a difficult situation in my life, and I, I found if I would just choose to thank God, I'd, I'd go from my office to the restroom down the hall. And I would thank God for two or three things on the way to the restroom. And can I tell you something? God changed my heart on the way to the restroom. Over and over again, that happened in my life. But you've got to be stubborn about it. Do it as a decision of the will. Whether you feel like it or not, thank God. You'll be amazed at what God will do in your life through Thanksgiving. It'll help give you grace in the wilderness. So finding satisfaction in the wilderness and that satisfaction's relationship with God and that the blessing he brings through that to our hearts. Uh,
come with your need, rely on your source, thank your God, and finally follow your directions. Verse 6 again, he says, Taking the seven loaves, he gave thanks, broke them, and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. So they served them to the crowd. So he says, hey, pass these out, right? Sounds like uh, parents, you know, with kids, right? Make yourself useful. <laughs> pass these out. Uh, and so um, Jesus is passing this bread to the disciples, and their job is just to simply be obedient. Did they have power to help anybody meet anybody's need? No. <laughs> but they simply obeyed God, and the power of Jesus was a channel through their lives to bring blessing to other people. But not only will God bring blessing through us to other people when we're obedient to God and we follow his directions, but he'll also draw us closer to himself. Jesus said this. uh, He said, He that has my commands and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And he that loves me will be loved of my Father, and I too will love him and will manifest myself to him. So Jesus, we know we don't, we don't get to heaven based on how good we are. Okay? We get to heaven based on how good Jesus was and his death on the cross in our place. Uh, and we put our trust in Jesus and God gives it to us as a gift. Eternal life is a gift. But closeness to God comes partially through our regular choice to be obedient to God. And Jesus has given us a promise. If we'll choose to walk in obedience, God will manifest himself to us, reveal himself to us, help us to experience him. I can think of no greater blessing. Now, none of us are perfect in that. Let me just hasten to say that. Um, All of us are sinners, and no one is perfect But we can keep short accounts with God. What I mean by that is keep our sins confessed. Lord, I sinned when I fill in the blank. God has given us a promise. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He restores our fellowship through confession. But also, we need to learn to walk in the energy and the power of the Holy Spirit. Let him live his life through us. Okay? Because I, in my flesh, Paul said this, dwells no good thing. By the way, that's true of any of us. That old nature that we have, there's nothing good in it. God doesn't reform your old nature when you become a Christian. It's still as rotten as it ever was. But he does give you a new nature. And he gives that new nature to you. And he also sends his Holy Spirit to dwell in your heart. And the Bible says that when we are filled with the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God will quicken us so that, or, or strengthen us or help us uh, by overcoming that old nature and help us to live according to our new nature. The Holy Spirit's the key. Obedience comes, the kind of obedience God wants, only comes through the filling of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes people can live outwardly good lives. But the Bible says that's filthy rags in the sight of God. Only the Holy Spirit can help us serve God in the way he desires from the heart. How does God want us to worship? From the heart. How does God want us to serve? From the heart. 
even in the Old Testament it says that. The Shema, the, the scripture the Israelites would quote every day. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And your neighbor as yourself. That's actually not in Deuteron- that chapter in Deuteronomy. Jesus put those two things together. That one actually, I think, is in Leviticus. Leviticus 19, I believe. But anyway, God has said, what I desire from you is service from the heart. That only comes one way, through the filling of the Holy Spirit. So you can ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit. We have a promise. How much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to them that love him? You can also um, ask God to, and ask the Holy Spirit to help you surrender to him and trust him so that you won't quench him once he comes. Right? Because what happens if I don't trust the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit comes and he begins to direct me in my life and I'm unwilling to trust him? What am I doing? I'm quenching the Holy Spirit. Or if I'm not surrendered to him, Lord, send me the Spirit, but I'm not going to follow Him. What am I doing? I'm quenching the Holy Spirit. So there needs to be an attitude of surrender and trust, and you can ask God for that as well. But uh, make sure you are making it one of your goals, one of your prayer requests in your personal spiritual life that God will teach you how to walk in the filling of the Holy Spirit. Because if you get that right, everything else will flow from that. It's, it's the key to Christian living. It's the key to Christian worship. It's the key to prayer. It's the key to every facet of your Christian life for God's Spirit to live through you the life that God desires you to live. Follow your directions. Simple obedience. Isn't it great that God has made things simple for us? You say, well, it's simple to maybe simple to obey, but sometimes it's hard to obey. <laughs> I understand that. But aren't you glad it's just a simple request that God gives us and we can choose to obey? Because um, when I do that, God begins to take a step toward me. Him that honors me, him will I honor. That's what the scripture says. As you honor God in your life, in your finances, in your obedience, in your relationships, God will honor you. So follow your directions. Finding satisfaction in the wilderness. Come with your need. Rely on your source. Thank your God. Follow your directions. And then what will happen through this situation is you will come into relationship, into closer fellowship with Jesus Christ. And he will satisfy you in the deepest part of your heart. There is no gift like the gift of a relationship with him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your great gift of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you for sending Jesus to live the perfect life we couldn't live ourselves. To die the death that we deserved and to be raised to life by your great power. And Lord, thank you that uh, you have said we can repent of our sins and put our trust in Jesus. And you will deliver us from the penalty of sin and from the power of sin as we learn to walk in your spirit. Lord, I pray that for this group of people that are here today. For those that don't know you, God, I pray that you'd give them the ability 
to genuinely repent of their sin and put their trust in Jesus for eternal life. They would receive that gift today. Uh, For others, Lord, who know you, but they have not been living in your strength and in your power. God, I pray that you would teach us as your people to walk in the filling of the Spirit. Uh, Lord, help us to be thankful in our attitude toward you. And Lord, help us walk in in, in these ways that we've talked about here today. Help us always bring our needs to you, Lord, wherever we may be.